Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Well, happy Sunday, Jubilee fam. I hope that you're doing well. Let me just say once again, it is such an honor to be a part of this community. I love you guys. I think about you often, pray for you often. And it's really exciting to be opening up the book of Philippians together. This is our new sermon series. We're just gonna walk through the book of Philippians for the next nine weeks. And the context of this letter and the reason why we are going through this letter is that this is all about joy but joy in the midst of difficult circumstances. Because the context here, again, is Paul, the writer, the author, the planter of this church is in prison and probably facing execution. And the Christians are probably getting ready to experience more and more persecution as they follow Jesus. So they're beginning to have uh, their their tents, they're on edge and they're at risk at losing their joy. Well, maybe in 2020, you're on edge, you're tense and you are at risk at losing your joy. Well, Paul writes this letter to encourage these believers to restore their joy. Uh, He wrote four letters from prison, and this letter by far is the most encouraging. So I'm praying and believing and trusting that this letter is going to just bring encouragement into your life and bring encouragement into this church. And the first 11 verses, which we'll tackle today, the the real key theme subject to this passage is the joy of partnership through the church, joy of partnership through the church. So we're going to pick it up in verse one and just walk through these 11 verses together. So he starts off by saying, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Now, even in this introduction, we can learn something about joy because uh, the way that we position ourselves before God and others is going to determine a lot the joy that we experience. And notice that Paul positions himself as a servant of Christ Jesus. He doesn't call himself, you know, I'm the apostle Paul. I am pastor Paul. He positions himself in a place of humility before God and others as a servant of Christ Jesus, which is really key for you and I when we get in those places in our life where we hope life will be like this, but what we experience is life like this. What do we do with that gap? When life is painful, when life is confusing and it doesn't make sense, in those moments, will we fill that gap with humility, which will lead to reverence and awe and worship of Jesus, or will it lead to entitlement, which will lead to bitterness and discouragement? So we can either look up a God and say, you know, God, what are you doing? Potter, what are you doing? Me, the clay, I don't like how you're molding me. I don't like how my life is turning out. I don't like it. I'm angry. I'm disappointed. I'm bitter. This is confusing. This is painful. This is unacceptable. Or will we say, God, you know what? I don't get this. (laughs) This is confusing to me. I am bewildered. But I'm mindful of Isaiah 55 that says, you know, your ways are higher than my ways. I am, I'm going to recognize that you're greater, that you're better, that you're bigger. And I trust that you're good. I trust that you're going to turn out all things for my good. And I fill that, fill that knowledge gap with worship. Blessed be your name is what we say. Brothers and sisters, 2020 should humble us. It should bring us to this place where we are humbled before our God. You know, I, I go around town and I see these signs that are meant to try to encourage us. And I don't know if you've seen them. They say, you know, you got this. 
You got this. Let me just say with a heart full of love and compassion that no, we don't. <laughs> you don't have this. I don't have this. Uh, you know, I'm not omniscient. You're not omniscient. You're not, omni- you know, you're, you're, you're not in control. We're not in control. But listen, he is. He is all powerful. He is all knowing. And he is good. And we should fill that gap with reverence and all. You know, we, we, talk, we referred to Hebrews 12 over the summer um, quite a bit. And it's this passage where it, it talks about how Jesus will once again shake the earth to shake what can be shaken so that what can't be shaken would remain, that is Christ. And in 2020, we've been shaken. Now, but notice though that where this leads, it leads to worship. It says in verse 28, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's what's happening. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and all. To remain joyful in all circumstances, even when we are on edge, we must fill that gap between what we want our life to be and the life that we experience. We need to learn to fill that gap with humility by saying, hey, we're a servant of Christ. To, To fill that gap with humility that will lead to worship and reverence and awe, not entitlement, which leads to bitterness and discouragement. Your sense of gratitude, you must be a grateful person in order to be a worshiper of God. And your sense of gratitude begins where your sense of entitlement ends. So let's fill that gap with humility. Great lesson from the very beginning. Say, God, you're the potter, I'm the clay. I'm happy with what, whatever you do. I don't understand it, I don't get it, but I wanna fill that gap with worship. So we are servants, but Paul also says that we are saints, that we are, you know, nothing can pluck us from his hand because we are secure in God. Again, not from our performance. We talked a lot about, about this last week, that we are saints, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done. And um, our security comes from that. You see, the enemy is going to want to get your eyes off him and get your eyes on yourself. And so if you look to your performance, you see that you don't measure up, that you're not what you're supposed to be. Uh, You may put off an image, but you know when it's just you and your thoughts, you know that you're not who you're supposed to be. And that will cause you to shrink back. It'll cause you to fear. It'll cause you to not feel accepted, to not feel loved, to not feel close to God. But knowing that you're you're a servant, so you're, you're humble. And after all, Jesus <laughs> took on the form of a servant. He said, I've not come to be served, but to serve. So we're in good company when we, when we take on this identity of a servant. But we're also saints. We're set apart. We're holy. We're accepted. We're loved, not based upon what we've done, but based upon what he has done. And then he finishes up his introduction by letting us know our source of grace and peace. It says, grace to you and peace from God. Do we get our peace from social media? No. Do we get our, um, our peace uh, from what we see, what's going on in the world? Absolutely not. We, our source of peace, our source of grace comes from God. We need to be those who log into God. We focus in on him. We're reading his word. We're developing that relationship with him because that is where our source of peace, that is our source of joy. And then he goes on in verse three. He says, I thank my God. So he's thanking God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. So he's praying all the time with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day 
until now. So Paul is thanking God for them. He, he views them as a gift. And we say that all the time here at Jubilee Church. We believe everyone has a gift and is a gift. And uh, where does every good and perfect gift come from? It comes from the Father above. So when we receive encouragement from each other, when we, see, we receive grace from one another, when anyone does anything, we're like, man, that person's so great. We, we, we are grateful for them, but we are grateful to God. We're grateful for people. They are gifts. And that gratitude, it leads to worship. It leads to the source. And notice that this source of joy, and this is really the main point of the message today, this source of joy is because of the partnership in the gospel from the first day, that is the very first day that he met them in Acts 16, where the church got planted, ever since the first day of your salvation, ever since the first day that we became a community together, Ever since then, I am grateful to God for this partnership. In other words, he's saying that what brings me joy outside of a relationship with Jesus, that one of the greatest things that brings me joy is my connection to you, my partnership with you, the local church. And this is fascinating to me because Paul was once the greatest antagonist of the church. I mean, he gave his life to persecuting the church, to killing Christians, but something happened to him on the Damascus road that changed everything. We read about this in Acts 9. It says, in falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. So before he became Paul, he was Saul. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, which Paul might have been, Saul might have been, hey, I'm not persecuting you. I'm persecuting the church. And Jesus is like, tomato, tomato. It's the same thing. When you persecute the church, how you view the church, how you treat the church is how you treat me. And so Paul, part of Paul's deep connection to the church is that he was able to see in his moment of conversion Jesus's deep connection to the church. Jesus loves a church with, with an everlasting love that's not dependent upon us, but it's dependent upon him. He is committed to us. He died for us. He loves us. He, we are his people. Uh, the church is not a building. It's not an organization. It is a people. It is a called out people. It is, we are his ecclesia. That Greek word, uh, that Greek word for church means assembly or congregations, where we get congregation from, that we are his called out people from the world to represent him. And the first time that we read about, or hear about the word church, we hear it from Jesus in Matthew 16, which is really important. He says, uh, before Matthew, excuse me, before Matthew 16, 18, you know, he, he gives his disciples a pop quiz. He's like, hey, who do people say that I am? And, you know, the answers go around the board. And then he's like, well, who do you say that I am? And then Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, says, you are the Christ. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's right. In fact, it's this confession, Peter, that confession that you just made, empowered by the Holy Spirit, it's upon that confession that the church is built. The church is not built upon serving the poor, although the church absolutely should serve the poor. The church is not built upon having a sense of belonging, although anyone who's a part of the church is going to have a sense of belonging. The foundation of the church, what the church is built upon, it's built upon the confession that Jesus is everything that he says he is, that he is the Christ, that he is the Messiah, that he is the superhero for the world, 
for us, for our sins. It is built upon Jesus. The church is not an organization. It is not a building. It is a called out people built upon the confession that Jesus Christ is God, that he is the son of God. The second thing that I want us to see is that Jesus uses the my language. This is my church. This is my people for my possession. He thinks very, very intimate covenantal thoughts about the church. In fact, one of the primary metaphors for the church in the Bible is bride, that he thinks about the church as a bride, that he is he is relentlessly committed to, regardless of her faithfulness, the church's faithfulness, he remains absolutely committed to his church. You know, when I think about Rachel, we've been married 20 years, she could break my heart, but she could never lose my love. I am committed to her. My love is committed to her. It is not, it, 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 I love her and I'm with her forever. And I know that Jesus thinks about the church like a million times more than that. And it just blows my mind how he thinks about us. It makes me, it makes, when I see his love for the church, that he died for her, that he gave up himself for her, that, that the church is his plan for, for eternity, that, man, it, it brings my heart to the church and it makes me want to connect. And so this is what he's doing. And, and I've been just so blessed by the church over the years, what the church has meant to me. And it's not perfect, but uh, it's totally transformed my life. Uh, many of you think, well, of course you love the church. You're a pastor. Well, I'm not, um, I, I don't love the church because I'm a pastor. <laughs> I'm a pastor because I love the church because what the church has meant to me. And, and that's why I'm in this thing. I just like, when Jesus called me to himself, he just gave me a vision for his church. And I've been a part of this church for 22 years. I've been leading it for 15. And I've just seen miracle after miracle after miracle of what the church does. And Paul was like, man, I love the church. And one of my greatest joys is this partnership I have with you. And you and I have a partnership. Jubilee Church has a partnership and it's built around our mission. Uh, our mission is that we are a community of people that wants to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. And we see that in this passage. We see that clearly in this passage. So we are the, our, our, that wording of our mission you know, comes from the Great Commission, to go in all the world and make disciples, and it, that you see all throughout the Bible, and we see it here. And I just want to talk about that as we close, because my hope is that you would engage in the church, that you would engage in partnership with the local church. That's where Paul found joy, and I believe that's where you're going to find joy as well. So what are we doing here? Well, he says, in, um, in, uh, first of all, that he wants to help all people know God. We want to help all people know God. And it's interesting, in Philippi, very fascinating. If you read, again, you can read about this in Acts 16. The church gets started with, uh, he first meets Lydia. It's this kind of this upper class businesswoman, super successful. Gospel comes to her. She gets converted into the church. Church starts in her home. Second person he meets is this teenage, probably like 14 years old, but clairvoyant, um, very troubled, uh, in slavery by these people who are using this woman for profit. Paul comes in, delivers her from bondage, so sets her free. She becomes a part of the church. Now, because, because of that, Paul gets put into prison. And in prison, he meets this guy, this, this ex-soldier, 
now maybe near retirement, who's this prison guard. He's this like blue collar, you know, um, you know, guy who's pretty agnostic. You know, he doesn't really care about who God is. Doesn't really care about care about Paul. Well, Paul gets broke free from prison, but he comes back and says, look, I'm not going where this, it cuts this guy to the heart. He says, what must I do to be saved? So he's a part of the church. So you've got this Gentile, you've got this slave, and you have this woman. Now, let me tell you something about Saul. Saul was a devout Jew. And as a devout Jew, every morning he would have prayed this prayer. He would have prayed this prayer. He says, God, I thank you that I'm not a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. Who are the first three people that are saved in this church? A Gentile, a slave, and a woman. Here's what I'm saying. Man, when we say that we want to be a diverse church, and I know that the, you know, the church has, has a, a history of disappointments when it comes to diversity. We talked a lot about this summer. Our confidence is not in us. Our confidence is in God. Because if Paul could be converted, if Paul, who, who, was, who was taught systematically uh, racism, sexism, classism. No wonder why he says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will complete it, that God started something in you. He's going to transform you. He's going to make you into his people. He says, I am convinced that he's going to do this because he's done it in me. (laughs) And he did it in Paul. He converted him from his racist thoughts, his classist thoughts, his sexist thoughts. He's like, hey, He did it in me. He's going to do it in you. He who began a good work in you will complete it. You will be, this will be for all people. So we are a community of people like in Philippi. We want all people to know God. And that's what he says next. He says, I want, this is what our partnership is about. Our partnership, this diverse group of people, our partnership is to help people know God. That's why he says in defense and confirmation of the gospel. Thank you, he says, for joining me in defense and confirmation of the gospel. And we do that in word and deed. And then we want to be a community of people that helps people find family. We, should, we believe that the church should be a place where people, it feels like family, it feels safe. And that's why there's all this affectionate language, even in this passage. He's like, this is right that I feel this way about you. You know what I mean? Like he, he has affection for them. And if you read in places like Romans 12, verse 10, it says, it, it says that, that Christian love is, is like brotherly affection. It's like familial affection. Like we would love each other through thick and thin, regardless of you know, our performance. We just love each other no matter what. And we're devoted. When it talks about, you know, that word partnership is the word fellowship, which they mean the same thing. That's what partnership, the fellowship. We know that the early church was devoted to fellowship, devoted to the partnership. And if you've ever been in a partnership, like an economic one, that uh, the only way for you to do well as an individual is if the partnership is doing well. So if the partnership's doing well, you're doing well. If the partnership's doing bad, you're doing bad. In other words, for us to be in partnership together, uh, man, that's why we mourn when other people mourn. That's why we rejoice when one rejoices. that we are connected to each other. We share our lives. We share emotions. We share our struggles. We share our possessions. We're in this together. We are pegged to each other's success. That's what it means to be family. And we're called to... Um, to, uh, we wanna, so we want to help people find family when we help people discover purpose. Philippians 2, 9 through 10, 
excuse me, Philippians 1, verse 9 through 10 says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus. This is what he's saying. I want you to keep loving and keep loving and I want you to be filled with discernment and knowledge that you understand what your purpose is because there's going to be a day where you go before Jesus and he's going to examine your life and you know, what did you do with the time and talents and treasure that I gave you? How did you use that? And God has given you much. Whatever you have, God has given you much. And he's wondering and he is, he's designed you on purpose for a purpose. And so Paul's prayer is like, I want you to discover what that purpose is. Ephesians 2.10 says that you are his masterpiece. You and I are uniquely made for a purpose, made on purpose for a purpose. And we want to be a community of people where we help each other discover that. And we know our purpose is tied up in the local church. Ephesians 3.10 says it's through the church that the manifold, the multifaceted wisdom of God will be put on display. And then it says this, this is his eternal purpose. Your purpose is tied up in the local church. And we want to help you find that. And then ultimately, this is about making a difference. Excuse me, verse 11 says, filled with the fruit of righteousness, right? Like our lives together should be filled with fruit because we're connected to Jesus. The church is built upon Jesus. The foundation is a confession that he is the Christ. John 15 says that, that, that he is the vine and we are the branches. And, and the, 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 the job of the branch is just to stay connected to the vine. If you stay connected to the vine, you will bear fruit for that is to my father's glory. And that's what he says here. He says that the church will be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We wanna be a community of people that is making an actual difference in the lives of others. <clears throat> Last week, we talked about how the Old Testament, that Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament. So when we read the Old Testament, it's not so much about Abraham and Moses and Noah and David or Sarah or Ruth as much as it is about Jesus. And if you've been around the church for a while, you know that Proverbs 31 is, you know, it gets lifted up as like, here's the ideal woman, Proverbs 31. And it's a pretty intimidating list of qualities. But perhaps this really isn't so much about the ideal woman, although, you know, it's, it's those are certainly good qualities to go for. Maybe it's about the church. If, if it's all about Jesus, maybe this bride is the church. And so I took the liberty to put the word church in, um, and I put that in parentheses to help you understand really what I think is the potential of you and I and what the fruit that we can bring to this world. And so Proverbs 31, so bear with me. This is what it says. Who could ever find a people like this one? The church is a people of strength and mighty and valor. She's full of wealth and wisdom. The price paid for the church was greater than many jewels. The church searches out continually to possess that which is pure and righteous. The church delights in the work of her hands. The church gives out revelation, truth to feed others. The church is like a trading ship bringing divine supplies from the merchant. The church tastes and experience a better substance and her shining light will not be extinguished no matter how dark it gets. The church is known for her extravagant generosity to the poor for she always reaches out her hands to those in need. 
Her husband, Jesus, is famous and admired by all, sitting as the respected judge of his people. Even her works of righteousness, the church does for the benefit of her enemies. Bold power and glorious majesty are wrapped around the church as she laughs with joy over the latter days. The church's teachings are filled with wisdom and kindness as loving instruction pours from her lips. The church watches over the ways of her households and meets every need that they have. Charm can be misleading and beauty is vain and so quickly fades, but the church lives in wonder and awe and fear of the Lord. The church will be praised throughout eternity. So go ahead and give the church the credit that is due. For the church has become a radiant people and all her loving works of righteousness deserve to be admired at the gateway of every city. The church is the hope of the world. This is God's plan A. We are meant to be his light and salt bringing hope to the world. And it's through engagement with the local church that you're going to find joy. And maybe, just maybe, maybe, just maybe that's what's missing in your life. The joy that you're missing is the joy of partnership with the local church. I want to invite you to take that step. Maybe you're not in a relationship with God. I want to invite you to know God, to know the living God, to know, to be a part of a community that puts Jesus at the center, that he is your Messiah. I want to invite you into family. I want to invite you to a group or to engage your group if you are in one, to, to discover your purpose, to begin to make a difference. You have gifts, you have things that, that the church needs. Maybe you're missing from the church and the church is missing you. You are designed to be a part of his family, to make an eternal difference. And I want to invite you to take a step. I want to invite you into partnership with a local church. If you've not yet gone through our growth trap, growth track, I want to invite you to that today. That happens at the first Sunday of every month, and there'll be information coming on the screen or it's in your local church where you can get signed up for one of those. Again, get connect with community. Now, maybe you're, you're wondering like, man, I, I, Brian, the church is tainted, man. And, and, I, and I get that. You know, our culture right now is really having a difficult time um, connecting with a, a tainted past. And, and maybe you're one who's just like, man, I just feel like, man, the church's history is tainted. And I just want you to know, man, I, I don't push back on that. And Christians, as Christians, we should not push back on that. We should, not, we should not defend our own performance, that the church has been unfaithful. But the church is not built upon the unfaithfulness of people. The church is built upon the faithfulness of Christ, that we are the bride of Christ. And we, we need to own our failures. You know, I was talking to a friend recently who's left the church and I'm appealing to him. I'm like, man, the church is the bride of Christ. And he said to me, he's like more like the whore of Christ. And when he said that, I mean, I, I mean my emotional response is I wanted to, I wanted to take a swing, uh, but it was over the phone, so that couldn't happen anyway. But I, I mean, I wouldn't have done that. But as, he, as I paused, because it really hit me emotionally. And I was like, you know what? You're right. The church has acted that way. But consider this, even in our taintedness, even in our unfaithfulness, Jesus remains committed to the church. And if that's you, I want you to consider your own taintedness. And I want you to know that the response of Jesus from heaven was not to disassociate from you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son to deal 
with your taintedness, to deal with my taintedness, that our sin, our wrong, our error, that our sin necessitated the brutal murder of Jesus on the cross. But he loved us so much that he was glad to do this. So to disassociate yourself from the church because it has a tainted past, and I'm not defending that, is to disassociate yourself from the heart of God who did not turn his back on you, but he loved you with an everlasting love. It may be, it may be looking at the tainted past of the church's history may give you a clue into your own sin, which would give you in turn a view of God's love and grace in your life. And I would invite you to do that. I would invite you to do that. And we do need to see things change, which is why we need to give ourselves to prayer. Jesus said that we are in a battle, that we are in the war. When he said that I will build my church, he also said that the gates of hell will prevail, signaling that the church was going to be in a battle, not in a battle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers and powers. And one of the greatest um, uh, schemes of the enemy is to take you out of the fight. Don't give in to the schemes of the enemy. Don't get away from the fight. Don't pull away from partnership. Embrace partnership with a local church. It may be what you're missing in your life. And I know it's the church is missing you. The church is a place where we find understanding of who God is. We find family, we, we engage our purpose and we make a real difference. I just invite you to come closer into partnership this morning. Let me pray for us. Father, I just thank you for your everlasting love for us. Lord, I think about the tainted history of the church and my own past, my own sin, my own, um, how I've grieved you and how I've hurt other people. God, I'm so undone by your grace. I'm so undone by your commitment to me, your commitment to us. And, and I believe that you will finish that good work that you started in me. I do believe that you will finish that good work that you started in this community as individuals and us together, that you will make us into a community that does help all people know God, find family, discover purpose and make a difference. God, I pray will you mold us and shape us. I pray that we would be built upon the confession that you are the Christ, that we would not make anything else central. God, that we would make you central and there would not be a close second so that we would bear that kind of fruit. We would bear the kind of fruit that would be a blessing to the world and bring glory to your name. Pray these things in your name. Amen.